I'll bet that you didn't know that the energy industry is one of the sexiest industries in the world. And we're going to prove it today on episode number 272 of CXO Talk. Before we start, I want you to please, please tell a friend, like us on Facebook, share this. Would you do that right now? And I want to say thank you to Livestream, which supplies our video streaming infrastructure. Those guys have supported us and they're great. Please go to livestream.com slash CXOTalk and they'll even give you a discount. Without further ado, I want to introduce our guest today. Andy Karaboudis is the Chief Information Officer and Chief Digital Officer at National Grid. This is her third time being a guest on CXOTalk. Andy, how are you? And thanks so much for being here. I am well, Michael, and it's a pleasure to be here with you again. Thank you for having me. So, Andy, uh, tell us tell us about National Grid. So, I'd love to. So, I joined National Grid uh, five, approximately five months ago. Um, it is one of the world's largest utility companies, uh, investor-owned, and it's focused on transmission and distribution of electricity and gas multinationally. So we're a UK and a US company um, based in the UK. It is, uh, for, for those that don't know, um, utility companies uh, like ours do transmission and distribution, which is different than being the source. So just very simply, if you think about um, source of energy, whether it's a power plant or whether it is gas, which, for example, in the U.S., we have 33 states that produce gas. Um, those are the sources. A company like National Grid, what we do is we transmit this energy and we distribute in some cases. And by transmission, that is the high voltage, the lines that you see above, you know, uh, uh, fields and things like that, that are high voltage that transmit along long distances and then do a step down transformation or transform in order to do what I call the last mile or distribute to businesses and homes, home, which is a step down in, uh, in power. Similarly, along the lines of gas, it's high powered gas lines. And then when it gets to its destination, it's l lower powered. So we actually do that transmission and distribution in the UK and the US. In the UK, um, we do the transmission for England and Wales, and we operate the lines for Scotland, though we don't own them uh, for those networks. And we have about 4,400 miles of overhead lines and 932 miles of underground lines and 342 substations, just to give you a sense for the order of magnitude. In the US, we do transmission and distribution. Um, in, in the UK, it's only transmission. In the US, it's transmission and distribution uh, in New York, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. Um, so it's a pretty exciting business when you think about uh, what our motto is, which is to bring energy to life. How many homes and how many businesses we actually bring energy to? Again, here in the U.S., about 3.3 uh, million electricity companies and upwards of 3.5, 3.6 million gas customers as well. So um, exciting company. Yeah. So you're you're a you're a very very large company, and when we talk about energy, can you maybe take a step back and share with us what are the, the energy challenges? I mean, we know the price of oil is rising, but from your standpoint, what are the energy challenges that are facing these countries, facing the world? And how, does, how do these affect you at National Grid and your 
thinking about the the activities that, that you perform? So, Michael, if you think about the fact that where energy is going, we're going towards a world of decarbonization, decentralization, um, alternative energy sources, wind, solar, uh, uh, hydroelectric, geothermal, etc. And so that new those new energy sources will require new infrastructure for distribution and transmission and distribution and that infrastructure will say we're taking energy from multiple sources we have challenge around how to manage that supply demand as the future as the world looks forward places that were or entities that were actually consumers of energy can now be producers and consumers of energy. I mean, if I do a futuristic imagine a world where exercise and you think of, you know, you have an office that may have solar panels that, you know, because of Internet of Things and data, we can now assess I need to consume less than what those solar panels are actually uh, producing. And so maybe we can also then distribute that energy to another building next door. So the traditional only consumer model becomes now a distribution and a consumer model. And if you think about that, even in terms of turbines and all the rest of the, the uh, wind, solar, et cetera, and all the rest of the options that we have, it's a different world. It's, it's, it's a grid now of distributed energy and all of that requires new capability, new thoughts around infrastructure, and new engagement models, too, with regard to customers. So when you talk about new engagement models, in other industries, there is this notion of changing customer expectations. But when it comes to utilities, where does that come into play? So that comes into play from our multiple constituents. So if you think about, uh, we're, we're now a world that thinks more of green and sustainability, that comes to the decarbonization. If you think about um, the fact that we have these alternative sources and people want to leverage them and take advantage of them. Um, if we think about increased, constantly increasing interest and concern and safety, which a company like National Grid puts at the forefront, reliability, efficiency, all of those things of the discerning consumer, you know, we've seen it in other markets, it's prevalent in this market as well. And so all of those driving factors for, again, reliability, safety, uh, efficiency, decarbonization, more green and all of that is really driving our industry to think about how do we go forward into a world that answers those calls and cries. Other industries like, like say, retail, Consumers have choice, right? They they click one store on a site to another store, but with power utilities, they they don't have much choice. And so, what then is the motivation for you to spend all this time and energy resources thinking about uh, how to be more responsive to your constituencies? So, so that's a great question, Michael. I think you're alluding to the fact that we're actually a natural monopoly in, in sort of the energy utility industry. But if you think about the distributed energy sources and the more choices that are being uh, had, I think we're going to see that slowly 
uh, changing. Our traditional business, if you will, is, is, is clearly something that we continue to look to optimize and make reliable. But as, like I said before, you know, solar panels that can now produce energy for a consumer that now is can also become a generator, that sort of begins to disrupt that, what we call the natural monopoly. I mean, this isn't something that happens overnight, but we are already uh, engaged in something like that. So let me give you an example. Um, Block Island, right off of Rhode Island, I think we have, there's a, a wind, a deep sea wind program that National Grid actually laid the infrastructure for. So for the wind generation that was happening on Block Island, um, we built the 20 miles of cable underwater that actually helped to do the distribution of that. And so Block Island has become a producer of energy, but when there's not enough wind that's covered for that specific area or they control, we, we can actually move over to Rhode Island, they become a consumer. So think about that at the macro, the example I just gave, and the micro scale, right? It starts to get disintermediated and the natural monopoly starts behaving you know, a little bit differently and has to answer to different calls. And this shift, how much... Um how much does this inform your thinking, your strategic thinking, and and where 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 does it come into play? So it informs our thinking quite a bit. So National Grid, I talked about our regulated business both in the UK and US. What I didn't mention is the fact that we have just um, put together a ventures business. Um, it's it's just over a year old, I think. And uh, in the ventures business, we're thinking about this distributed energy decentralization. We're thinking about increased safety. We're thinking about choice. We're thinking about the digital environment that says, you know, uh, for example, a nest or equipment, you know, uh, uh, heat controls in the house. If a utility company, you know, there's some way that we can say if we can dial down the heat to save energy and share it across, you know, how can we actually start distributing and balancing better our supply demands of um, electricity or potentially even gas, that sort of thing. And so we are thinking about that. And again, it's along the lines of improved safety, reliability, efficiency, et cetera. So all of those things are coming into play. From the outside looking in, one does is if you're not an expert in energy, you would not be aware of these a these kinds of pressures, and b the kinds of technologies that you're bringing to bear as you look into the future and the change. And then I have to assume that from what you've been saying, that there's a deep layer of technology that's part of this as well. But then culture and mindset and all of that has to be has to be on your radar at the same time. Exactly right. And the, the technologies that we are actually leveraging and, and really, you know, bringing to bear to understand, first of all, on our services themselves, you know, battery technology, you know, getting the energy from solar and wind, and then how do we store some of that energy for future consumption, etc. Um, we're looking at Internet of Things, you know, already we have a UK metering business, and we're starting to look at, you know, the Internet of Things for how do we sense things behind the meter in order to to, for instance, if allowed by customers at some point in the future to balance that heat usage or that, you know, the electricity usage, et cetera, being used by customers across other entities. All of that comes with data. 
and we worry about leveraging data and analytics to understand, you know, from a safety perspective and a reliability perspective, how do we do more in the realm of preventative maintenance? Now, I know, Michael, a lot of these things don't sound new relative to, you know, preventative maintenance, Internet of Things, reading meters, et cetera. Um, but to the degree that we, you know, anticipate we will need to do that, this is going to be a pretty marked improvement, I think, for, for utility industries. And we're going to need to answer that digital call in order to be able to address new technology in our services. Um, again, storage, battery, things like that, you know, alternative um, um, energy sources, uh, new technology and customer and consumer engagement. Customers, even today, and we're doing this sort of thing, want to know how much energy have I used? Uh, what are my peak periods? How do I compare to my neighbors, et cetera, things like that. And those are things that we already have into play. And, and new digital technology around the efficient and effective enterprise as well for you know, frictionless employees, our field force being out in the field. Think about augmented reality or virtual reality you know, from a safety perspective and a repeatability, helping our field force be able to do repeatable repairs uh, or, or the correct repairs, right sequencing, et cetera, or preventative, me uh, preventative measures um, using that sort of augmented reality guidance. Um, so there's a, there's a tremendous amount that we can and we are looking to do. I want to remind everybody that we're speaking with Andy Karaboudis, who is the Chief Information Officer and Chief Digital Officer at National Grid, which is one of the largest energy transmission organizations in the world. There is a tweet chat going on right now using the hashtag CXO talk. And so you please tweet your tweet your questions in and share your comments. So you are uh, the CIO, the Chief Information Officer, and the Chief Digital Officer. So what? How do those roles come into play with uh, the transformations that you were just describing? Right. So they actually, uh, my title is actually Chief Information and Digital Officer, so CIDO. And those roles come into play a couple of things. So when I joined National Grid, I think the recognition was that um, IT enterprise technology, operational technology, and critical national infrastructure are a continuum. And that, you know, the reality is that while the enterprise technology continues to be extremely important and we continue to drive it, that continuum says that as we look to going towards more and more digital capability, both for our customers as well as for the different technologies that we're using in battery, uh, solar energy, and the things that we're investing in there, primarily led by our ventures arm, that continuum really makes sense to come together into one overarching strategy for the company. So um, I would say what's different about my role here than traditional um, or some of the CIO roles I've had in the past is I'm pushing further into the operational technology and partnering a lot more with the business units here at National Grid. And again, I'm only five months in. We're at the stage of we're developing. We have a lot of great digital initiatives going on. We're at the stage of developing a, a, what I think is going to be a great overarching strategy. And together with our ventures, with our um, electricity transmission, our gas transmission, and our distribution businesses, we're going to be putting that together and looking at the entire value chain 
of the company to determine where do we continue to uh, drive some of the digital investments we have? What things do we decide to stop and where do we double down? And so the interesting thing is, you know, traditional CIOs would have said, um, you know, I would say many years ago, as a matter of fact, that IS belongs only in IT, or IT, it belongs only in IT or information services, as we call it here. But the reality is technology is now and continues to be and has been for several years so ubiquitous. And the digital disruption using Internet of Things, using mobile, using cloud, uh, using distributed technologies, battery technologies, and all of those things coming together into an overarching strategy to really drive forward improvements in safety, reliability, efficiency, customer enablement for the customers that are national grid is what we're trying to do. So I'm really proud of the fact that this um, digital strategy, though, you know, it's, you know, the core of it is what we're trying to do in my organization is an end-to-end -end enterprise um, endeavor. And our board is very keen on it. Our executive team is very keen on it. And we're really driving it as, as a group. So, so on this theme of the digital aspect, we have an outstanding question from Twitter. Arsalan Khan asks, are there any use cases? Now, this is, this is a multi-part question. Any use cases for AI and blockchain and what happens to the jobs that are lost? So it's really three different points, AI, blockchain, and the impact on jobs in the energy industry. So look, um, there, there are. Let me start with AI. So first of all, AI allows us to gather as much data as we can, learn on it, et cetera. And again, just like any other industry, be able to apply it for predictive uh, and look ahead, safety, sustainability, improvements in our efficiency, et cetera. So AI, as it applies to all other industries, is something that would help us as well in our specific use cases. Blockchain is very interesting. For authentication of the transactions, clearly could be an opportunity for us. It could also be a really strong opportunity for, um, for instance, uh, people may want to just pay for the energy they use ahead of time, like a parking meter. There are new models now that blockchain could be leveraged to use. So if someone is at a summer cottage, for instance, and they want two days worth of electricity, and then you know they can leverage what that is, they can prepay using a blockchain transaction. So there's a multiple use cases. Those are two of them, probably not the strongest, but two right there that we could say we, we blockchain could be a big enabler for us. As far as workforce, uh, you know, I think, I don't know how you worded it, Michael, jobs lost or jobs gained or... or well, that's, that's how he worded it as, as jobs lost. So what, what, I guess the question is, what happens to these jobs as a result is there an impact on jobs as a result of automation, like, like with AI, for example? Look, as with every industry, um, automation generates new positions, new opportunities, new jobs, um, other positions, opportunities, you know, may be lost. I'll use that word only as, as you've said it. Um, but it is every industry, and as time goes on, has transformed. But there are more, more jobs have been created potentially in different areas. So there's absolutely nothing I can say here relative to these jobs would be lost and these jobs would be gained. I would just look around at the evolution 
of all of the industries either and and you know what, what's happened the automotive industry you know when cars didn't exist i guess there were you know more horse and cart on the road etc but that created a whole plethora of jobs in and of itself as it became a new industry so i think uh, I would just say change is inevitable, change happens, but out of change are born new opportunities and new positions. So I don't know that there's lost jobs, net-net. It sounds like at least a fair amount of your time is being invested right now in looking at these kind of uh, forward-leaning technologies. Right. And, and the driver for them is decarbonization and decentralization and distributed energy resources, right? Um, th those are very real um, sort of drivers for us and the trends that are going forward that we need to address and answer. If you look at my former colleagues in the tech industry, you know, Google, et cetera, they're, they're all right there. Tesla, uh, they're all right there, really thinking through, and and we want to be part of that. We want to, you know, we believe we are, and we continue to be at the forefront of really helping drive some of the innovation in the space. Is that is that why uh, they they brought you on with this role? I think the reason they they it's a somewhat newly created role of chief information or a combined role in digital officer is to really in recognition of the disruptive technologies, information systems, data, and all of that as a continuum. And so I think it's just it's it's that sort of recognition of that that's caused the organization. I think we've seen it around multiple organizations. Some companies have CTOs, some companies have done what, what National Grid has done, but it's that recognition that, that has pulled both aspects together. We have another question from Twitter and John Nosta, who is, he's, he's a former guest on CXO Talk and a big time thinker in healthcare innovation. And, and John asks, can you make sense of what and, electro, and, and electromagnetic pulses and how we can protect our electrical infrastructure against this. And he's thinking of North Korea, uh, for example, and all of the talk about that. So electromagnetic pulses, do you have it? What is it? How do we, how can we protect ourselves against it? So I wouldn't dare to begin to do that on CXO talk. Uh, I think I have some I do have an idea of what an electromagnetic pulse is and, and detection and all the rest of that, but I think that would be a little bit deep and, and might be a, a little bit beyond what I want to bring into this program, to be honest with you. Well, one of these days, I'm gonna, we're going to have to get uh, an electrical engineer to talk <laughs> about it. I, I won't understand it at the time, but, but it will be, it'll be interesting. Yes. Just suffice it to say, uh, I'll, I'll address this to John Nosta. Uh, we are um, very, very high and very, very focused on cybersecurity. And as a critical national infrastructure, uh, we're, we're greatly concerned about that. So I think it's a little bit of a tangent to John's question, but maybe where he was looking to go. And actually a very, very interesting and important question uh, so, 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 would you share with us some uh, thoughts, insight uh, on this topic of of security and and these cybersecurity attacks that we have been hearing about? 
Sure, I'd be happy to. So, Michael, obviously, cybersecurity is something that is at the forefront of every chief information, chief digital, chief technology officer's mindset. And by the way, it's at the forefront of every board member's uh, uh, concern as well as executive committees, because keeping an enterprise secure both physically and through uh, digitally is, is critically important. For companies like us, for, you know, water companies, electrical, gas, et cetera, the utility companies, communications, those are all critical national infrastructure, and we take it very, very seriously. How big a threat is it at this stage? So, Michael, I, I hope you don't think this a non-answer, um, but we take it so seriously, we always consider it a threat, as do most companies. I'm sure if you've talked to Equifax or, or Anthem or Target or any of those companies, you know, answering the question of how big a threat is it, you just need to assume that it is uh, a paramount threat. And uh, we, we all take mitigating actions and controls and have strategies around that. Um, and so I, I would answer the same as I would answer for other companies, except obviously, you know, being part of a company with critical national infrastructure, um, we make sure that we take the necessary steps around such, um, such criticality. Yeah. And I guess it's your, I guess you, like everybody else is not going to detail the exact steps that you're taking, um, <laughs> Only if I want to maintain my position and, and be a little wise, correct? <laughs> All right. Well, you know, from, from a digital transformation perspective, how do you, how, how, you know, the, the, the industry is moving so dramatically. And, and so what are some of the considerations that you think of internally and externally? And also there's the regulatory aspects as well, I'm sure. There is. As a matter of fact, we're a highly regulated industry. We have our non-regulated business as well, obviously, through ventures, but we're a highly regulated industry and different regulators in the UK uh, versus US. And even in the US, it's different by what we call jurisdiction or state. So we're highly regulated. Um, we are uh, mindful of that, et cetera. Uh, how, how, do we, how are we approaching it? I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, but I'll add a little more color to it. The way we're approaching our digital strategy is looking at the end-to-end -end value chain of the company. Everything from you know, the customer, the meters, et cetera, to the internal operations of the company down to the employee and how to you know, make uh, their workday less frictions through more digital capability, et cetera, to, to you know, uh, we even have... Uh, an organization that's doing robotics around transactions on how to process and things like that. What we're doing is being very mindful and very thoughtful around the technologies um, and the areas of the value chain that we should go after, uh, not necessarily in serial, some are in parallel, but go after for big benefit for the company. And again, benefits being around safety, reliability, efficiency, um, and new customer engagements, et cetera, and customer satisfaction. And so we're, we're, we're driving all of that. We, like I said before, we do have a number of initiatives rolling, um, and we're going to constantly bounce it back on that digital strategy that we're in the process of developing. So the digital, wh where are you? I know that you're, it's early days. Uh, so, so where are you in this digital strategy, and what's the trajectory? Where, where do you see this strategy going? And I, and I know 
that a digital strategy is kind of an endless goal. There's no, you know, there's no ultimate endpoint. But but what's the trajectory that that you see for this? So I, I like what you said, Michael. I'm glad you said that. It, it doesn't end. There is no end goal that says, you know, there's there are a number of choices and trade-offs that we make around um, digital opportunities and a you know the overarching strategy that that you know we 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 have our sights set on. And so we're continuing again, um, sorry, I'm repeating myself, but we're continuing to look at these digital strategies in terms of what we can do for the efficiency, the reliability of our uh, infrastructure um, and, and, you know, employee efficiency, safety, et cetera. So we have, you know, I mentioned the bots. I mentioned some things that we've done uh, with Block Island in Rhode Island, um, our UK metering business and some things we're doing there. Um, we, we're doing a bit of work trying to understand, you know, what are the different customer engagement models? We have mobile apps in place, uh, you know, that our customers can use to download not just their bills, et cetera, but consumption and see where they are compared to their neighbors on consumption and things like that. So some of those things have been in the works and have been in place for some time. They're all part of the digital strategy. Um, we're now looking at through our ventures group and our business development, what those next steps are. Um, you know, clearly there's there's some things I can't talk about, but I'm really excited about some of the things that we're doing and what we are thinking about in terms of, of uh, those venture opportunities. So it sounds like very clearly there's uh, part of part of this is a broader innovation strategy. It really is. It really is. Um, and, you know, I'll tell you, it's a mindset in the company as well. I think as many of your guests have talked about, when you're talking about digital disruption, uh, intermediation, transformation, et cetera, but really leveraging digital uh, technologies and capabilities and new technologies, et cetera, we're reaching out and looking what other companies in our industry are doing. Um, we're also looking at other industries. Uh, before I joined our CEO, John Pettigrew, and, and my peers on the leadership team had, you know, gone to the West Coast and, and you know, continually, and that's a continual process where we're taking a look and seeing what are some of the tech companies doing? Um, how are they leveraging things? And what are some of the offerings that are out there as well? So it's that mindset and quest for innovation for startup. Uh, I have a team actually called National Grid Labs. There's one in the UK and one in the US that's part of the um, uh, inf information services organization that I've got. And they are doing some futuristic things. You know, imagine a world where, and, and the way they do that is they think of problems, whether it's friction in the field force or whether it's something that, you know, customers we think would really want. They listen ear to the ground. And uh, those, the, both of those labs, uh, both of those teams have really done some interesting things. Um, they are looking at tying Apple Watches into, you know, the field force, if, if the field force requires some alerts to happen, et cetera, to make it very, very easy. And so we also have a, a big initiative called Gas Business Enablement that is looking at the field force and how they operate and what's happening out in the field, all the way back to what would help a uh, person out in the field who has to go do a repair. Well, geospatial maps showing that a pipe in the ground that may need to get 
uh, tapped into for repair? What else is around it? Is there water lines nearby, et cetera? So all of these things are already in the works in a number of the initiatives that we're doing. And our regulators are really working with us to understand what could help uh, customers and what could help with safety and reliability of, of the, the critical national infrastructure utility. And we're working together to identify all of those and really try to drive uh, the proper investment um, to, to bring those to bear. It sounds like you're, like you're looking across your entire value chain and set of processes in a, in a very systematic way. That's how it comes across. It is, but we're not necessarily saying what's next in the value chain and how, what do we do there? We look and say, what's the biggest value for our customers, um, for the safety of employees, for the reliability of, of the utility, et cetera? Because at the end of the day, if you think about what our mission is, which is to bring energy to life, that uninterrupted energy source, that uninterrupted, you know, energy that people rely on, whether it's the patient that needs the heart monitor going, et cetera, um, or the children that need warmth, you know, not to get too uh, emotional kind of on you, Michael, but it's so important that we are looking at that and then saying, you know, under the overarching umbrella of the decarbonization and the, or the, 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 um, uh, sort of interrupts that we have around decarbonization and decentralization. Um, you know, how do we continue to do that better and better and better? So the so you've you've broken it down to these various components that you've described. And so when you rethink, when you're looking at innovation and looking at what's coming next and where you can make changes, it's it's all hinged on these several several areas. It is. We, we always go back to, you know, we're a very proud company and I'm very proud to be part of this company. We always go back to, we bring energy to life. Uh, we want to do things in a better way. Um, and we want to constantly challenge ourselves to make sure that we're working with our regulators, that we're listening to our customers, um, and customers being both on the source side as well as on the distribution, the end customer that utilizes the energy here in the U.S., um, that we're constantly uh, challenging ourselves um, for those, you know, the, the better way and the newer way um, and improved ways of doing business. Now you've you've mentioned uh, the regulators several mm -hmm. times, and so where does regulation come into play as you're thinking about these new tech, IOT, new technologies, IoT, blockchain, so forth? So the majority of what we do, I, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the U.S. business, the way um, the processes work. Uh, when we want to um, do something new, for example, in, in, in information systems and digital, we go to the regulators and because we're a natural monopoly, the let regulators will ask and want to see the benefit to our customers um, or to, you know, for safety, et cetera, all the items I talked about before and will approve us doing that. At the end of the day, the, we are, the way we are funded is uh, part of the electric or the gas bill in the US is made up of these things that we are doing. That's how we actually um, earn the money to do that is they have to be approved and there has to be a good benefit towards them. So we, we, we can add, for example, for instance, to the bill in order to fund them. Most people don't realize, but I think National Grid, we're, we're out down in the single, team, single digits 
percentage of an overall gas or electric bill for our transmission and distribution services. Um, but, but even at that, it's really important that everything we do is meaningful to our customers, whether it's cyber initiatives, digital initiatives, uh, enablement initiatives, et cetera. And so we work very closely with our regulators for that. So, so when you want to conduct some type of innovation, are, are they partners with you at, at every step of the way or do they come into, come into where, where do they come into play? It's in, in various in various stages. So if there's a if there is a initial pilot, I mean we're a publicly owned utility. If there is a um, investor-owned utility, if there is a uh, pilot that we'd like to do, I mean I don't want to get into the underpinnings of the utility, but you know there is also shareholder investments. And so the executive team here is very scrutinous on the things that that you know we're going to go forward and do, and then through our regulators, the regulators will determine if there is benefit. Um, you know, for our customers and we go, you know, we can then actually make it as part of the charge to our end customers um, or they will, you know, they will fund it. And I'm speaking mostly in the U.S. on this with the jurisdictions um, or, you know, we may we may try to do some pilots and things that they may fund or may come from from shareholder funding as well. As we go towards the, the close of the show, this has been a very, very fast time. Uh, what are what are some of the some of some of the advice that you have to organizations in that are either very well established organizations or in established industries that are undertaking these kinds of programs of change such as you're involved with so my advice would be um, first off look at the value chain of your companies look at other companies that have used digital technologies and how they've used them for um, better efficiency, reliability, safety, profitability, et cetera, whatever the, the, uh, the, the end goal has been, and really try and see how to apply digital technologies to help improve and or disintermediate you know, your own businesses before someone else does type of thing. Um, skills. Uh, science, technology, engineering, math, which Michael, you and I have touched on in prior shows, is critically important to be able to really leverage some of these digital technologies. But it's really uh, look look at other industries, look at your value chain and see what you can do. And then there's this exercise that I absolutely love that's uh, the futuring. Imagine a world where, or imagine a day where, where you sort of really walk away from all the paradigms of, well, utilities are regulated. Well, you know, the medical industry is regulated. Uh, well, we have, you know, we can't do this because lose all of that and see what really you can come up with when you say, imagine a world where um, I can turn on and off my electricity usage on a daily basis versus, you know, um, at a more infrequent time and be able to really consume only what I need because I want to be greener or I want to be et cetera. And how does, how does, how does technology enable you to do stuff, things like that? Uh, but even more futuristic than that. And what about the non-technology aspects, the workforce aspects, the Talent management, the hiring, the the composition of the workforce, things like that, skills, capabilities. What advice do you have? Because all of these things come into play. If a company is undertaking a program of digital transformation, they're thinking about all these things. They have to. 
Yeah, it's a great question, Michael. I think the important thing there is a balance, a balance of knowledge of the industry. We have a wealth of knowledge, people that have been here for many years who really understand our business um, with new idea, new thinking from other industries, bringing people in from the outside and balancing that to really come up with optimal sort of spark, I call it, or solutions to go after. Um, I'm a very strong proponent of the sciences, technology, engineering, mathematics, etc. And I think, you know, taking that um, along with some of the other disciplines and capabilities in the company and putting it together to, again, imagine a world where and really to drive what is the value chain improvements and value chain changes that we can make. So I think it's that highly skilled, highly thoughtful, highly innovative, and willing to really take a risk. So we didn't talk about risks much, but risk taking fail fast is really important in any industry. And, you know, it's obviously we're not going to take risks in an area that would harm or ever impact our critical infrastructure. But for instance, the labs that I mentioned that we've got, our national grid labs, we take a lot of risks there. We take a look, you know, fail fast uh, programs. All of those things that we've talked about before that are critically important to startups and innovation, very important in industries that are tried and true like ours. And it, and it sounds like your, your labs are not just technology labs, but also process experimentation labs, like you were describing uh, the risk-taking and failing fast and iterative kind of approaches. Absolutely. So if you think about agile, DevOps, all of that, we're, we, we've got that in place and we're continuing to strengthen it and make it even more mainstream and processes are important and all of it. We, we start with an outward in look, right? What's the problem? What's the challenge? What's the friction? What's the opportunity we're trying to go after? Sometimes we find a technology that's interesting and we say, wow, that's interesting. Where could we use that? So it's sort of sparking on all of those things that's really important for us. And in our final minute, any, any last minute thoughts that you want to share about any of this? So uh, last minute thought I would share is to encourage people to not look at industries as um, those are sort of traditional non-risk-taking industries. It was interesting before I joined National Grid, I had a couple of people tell me that. And I would say it's anything but true. And so people should, just like we say, have an open mind around innovation and digital and technology and breakthrough and new thinking. Really look at all industries and say there's huge opportunities in all of them and come in, come in with an open mind. And I say that to the talent that I'm trying to bring into to National Grid and, and digital and information technology. I guess that's where the opportunity lies because you have a, a field that's ripe for change and that knows that knows it needs to change. Exactly. Exactly. It's exciting. It really is exciting, Michael. Okay. Well, this has been a very fast 45 minutes. We've been speaking with Andy Karabudis, who is the Chief Information and Digital Officer at National Grid, which is one of the largest energy transmission companies in the world. Thank you for, for coming on CXO Talk. This is your third appearance. Thank you for watching, and uh, we will see you again soon. Have a great day. Thank you.